Close your eyes and I'll kiss you Tomorrow I'll miss you Remember I'll always be true Pretend that I'm missing the lips I am missing and hope that my dreams will come true. Hello again and welcome to another edition of I've Got a Beatles podcast with Dave and Chris. Uh, we're excited to mark yet another anniversary from 1963 with today's episode with our look at the Beatles' second album, not the Beatles' second album in America, but the <laughs> Beatles' second officially released album with the Beatles. And we'll uh, take you through that and get some commentary and discussion and uh, all that good stuff, analysis ahead. Uh, but before we begin, uh, we have some announcements we'd like to make, uh, starting with our Twitter account here. Yeah. Yeah, we finally got a Twitter account. <laughs> I've been using Twitter a lot uh, for uh, quite a while, mm -hmm. and for some reason just now it occurred to us to get a Twitter account. So so follow us on Twitter now at, at I've Got a Beatles No Apostrophe. All right, uh, excellent. So, so follow us, and maybe we'll follow you and have a nice uh, combination of things on Twitter. Sounds good. Very excited. <laughs> of course, about you can that. also always follow me at Christy Bragg as well, and as really... some people do. And I have good conversations with some of our listeners, um, and uh, it's very nice. It's a it's a, a thing we we want to hear from you. We love hearing from you. Uh, uh, we also have a Facebook page. We almost have a hundred followers now on Facebook. So go to Facebook and and I've got a Beatles podcast. And uh, like us there, and and we've been posting a lot to Facebook of of stories and interesting things. Particularly this week, as is it was the anniversary week for uh, this very album with the Beatles. Yeah, and I think something else happened on that day too uh, <laughs> that we'll get yeah. into a little later in our show as well. You know, the timing is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, in addition, I want to mention I've mentioned this once before. Uh, but I'll be presenting a paper at the International Beatles Conference, uh, International Beatles Celebration, which is subtitled, It Was 50 Years Ago Today, and it'll be held at uh, the campus of Penn State Altoona in Pennsylvania. So if any of our listeners are in the uh, Pittsburgh or Philly area or somewhere uh, that might be able to get there, that would be terrific. I'd love to meet you. Uh, it'll be February 7th, 8th, and 9th of next year, which coincides with the days the Beatles first came to America. It'll be a, uh, a conference of paper sessions where we'll get to present and hear about different topics by scholars. Uh, we get dinners and lunches with noted Beatles scholars as well, like Walt Everett. And especially, I'm very interested in the lunches and talks by Mark Lewison, who, uh, if, if you're a Beatle fan who reads Beatle books, you've certainly come across his books uh, before, including one we're going to talk about in our Gifts episode coming up, which you can buy this year. Uh, big Beatles uh, expert and probably the world's authority, so he'll be there too. So I, I don't know when I'm presenting yet. I, they haven't given us specific info, but 
I will let everyone know, and hopefully you can come by and, and visit. It will be fun to meet you in, in person. So I'll, we'll put the link in the uh, description for this episode so you can follow that. So That's terrific. I'm, I'm excited about all that. It's, yeah, it's it'll be fun, and yeah, maybe I'll try to do some interviews or get some... Uh, try to talk to a couple of these people and see yeah. what happens. That would be fun. It'd be terrific. Yeah. So so with the Beatles. With the Beatles, yes. <laughs> so uh, second official canon Beatles release, uh, and you were gonna re- uh, read us something from the uh, the uh, C- CD liner notes from the as a as a way of getting into our discussion here of the album. Uh, I was looking at the original liner notes to the album by Tony Barrow, who was the Beatles publicist, one of the Beatles publicists. Uh, And here's what he says, so you can take this as our starting point. Fourteen freshly recorded titles, including many surefire stage show favorites, are featured on the two generously filled sides of this record. The Beatles have repeated the successful formula which made their first Please Please Me LP into the fastest-selling album of 1963. Again, they have set eight of their own original compositions alongside a batch of personal choice pieces selected from the recorded repertoires of American R&B artists they admire most. So, that's... And show tunes. Yeah, and show tunes, right. (laughs) They forgot to put that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But that seems like a pretty good uh, capsule summary of the album. It is... Could you see it as Please Please Me Volume 2 in a way, with the same formula like he says, or do you view it in a different way? I I view it, uh, particularly after having just experienced listening to it uh, uh, several times in preparation for this podcast, as even more of a pure kind of like capturing of their stage sound at the time. Maybe a little bit more sophisticated recording techniques wise than the first one, but certainly just like really kind of like oh here's here's a bunch of stuff they they did live yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. now now we're putting it on record, whereas you know in all future releases would would you know as time goes on, flip that formula even more and more rather than maybe let it be you know but uh just nice. the just the formula being like, hey, let's capture what some stuff they uh, some of these they had in their repertoire as early as like nineteen sixty one and yeah. two, and you know they had played a hundred billion times and so it's you know, amazing yeah, the amount yeah. of just yeah like that comment there, the amount that they played during these times yeah. and we'll be doing our review of the new uh, live at the BBC set that came out and reading the liner notes to that, you see it. And that was, that was recorded around the same time as this album. Uh, they just, the amount of times they would play just two, three times a day and sometimes yeah. the same songs over and over again. So it really was capturing the stage show. For me personally, too, I really, really, really do connect it with Please Please Me, because the first time I heard it was a, a and I mentioned this probably during the Please Please Me uh, thing, was a recording that I made on a cassette from a, a, a radio broadcast from a, a radio station in Terre Haute. <laughs> 
And I, I didn't even live that close to Terre Haute, but occasionally we'd be able to pick this Terre Haute station up on FM. And I was late at night one one night, and I was at home and was a pretty young kid and recorded Please Please Me on one side because they played, this was in 1987 when they released yeah. on CD for the first time, All uh, started to release in batches of two all of the Beatles albums. And, of course, the first two uh, were played by this radio station. So I had this cassette. <laughs> with one oh, yeah. side was please please me and the other side was with the Beatles and I just played I must have just played that until it was like falling out of its <laughs> you know, uh, little shell casing because uh, uh, it was just so terrific so I, yeah. I definitely sort of in my in, in my emotional place to have them sort of linked together from, from that standpoint yeah, that, those kinds of things matter a lot and how you perceive an album or how you hear it. And I mean, for me, uh, this particular album, I was I, when I was a kid learning the Beatles. I ended I played I play guitar, and so I ended up playing through and learning all the the songs off the albums. And so for today, my way of getting into preparation for show was to play through the entire album with the recording. Uh, so. Oh. I, and I, it, you pick up, you know, you've heard these songs so many times, but when you play them, you pick up so many different things that you've forgotten or that kind of impress you about yeah. about it. And so my initial thought so far was just compared to Please Please Me, just some of these songs, there's a real jump in sophistication of their originals that I think we'll get into as we go track by track. But uh, it's, it's also, it seems like more of a rockin' album than Please Please Me in a way. You yeah, don't have as many songs like "Taste of Honey" and uh, <laughs> kind of those sort of not very interesting. I mean, to me, not not the great or a lot of slow songs. I do think that this album, uh, in the overall catalog of the Beatles, gets a little bit underrated, just because there is a bit of a uh, there's a lot of cover songs on this one. Yeah. The lack of original tunes, and then. Um, you know, uh, uh, the the other thing is, if you're a Paul fan, <laughs> if you love Paul, if Paul's your favorite Beatle, uh, <laughs> he's a little bit underrepresented on this. Yeah, yeah. And, and John, this is a huge John album. Like, like what a, a terrific sort of a showcase for John. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. a lot of songs, a lot of songs that he sings very well. Um, and we'll have many examples of that uh, coming up. Yeah, we should say the album was recorded. Uh, we said during or in between tours and while they were playing all the time. But it was recorded. Took a little longer. Remember, please, please me. It was just in one day, basically. Yeah. Uh, this was July 18th until October 23rd of 1963, off and on. So uh, seven or eight sessions, I think, is what I remember reading. If you go to the Wikipedia page for With the Beatles, they'll give you the exact dates and what what okay. songs they played. Yeah. Uh, or one of if you're this that big of a Beatles fan to listen to us all the time, you might already have a book that's like got all the Mark Lewis or something yeah. recording <laughs> sessions and stuff like that. Right. Uh, this album was released on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. That date might sound very familiar to you because mm -hmm. that was the date that uh, John Kennedy uh, you know very 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 horribly and unfortunately was assassinated 
uh, in Dallas, Texas. Um, it's a, it's sort of an odd connection, uh, but the connection even goes a little bit further if you investigate it, uh, because on uh, the morning news, the CBS morning news with Mike Wallace, on the morning of November 22nd, 1963, they did a feature on the Beatles, oh. and they they showed live footage of them, oh. and um, um, had a little bit of interviews with them about this sensation that was going on in England, and it's sort of like, hey, look at this thing that's going on in England, what's happening? These guys are huge. And it was sort of a piece like that. But, of course, this was the morning news, which very few people watched. The evening news in those days, almost everyone watched. And this feature about the group was supposed to show that night on the evening news. However, the evening news... (laughs) Something more important Something a little more important (laughs) happened. They had none of these little fluff pieces about like <laughs> good feeling stuff on the huh. uh, nightly news. So Beatlemania may have been uh delayed a little bit by this oh. this event that happened and and weeks and weeks and weeks later they would probably rerun that file footage of that that um thing and as the Beatles start to get releases in America and come to America. Hmm. So it's kind of like um, interesting to me because it's just like circumstance and everything. But as far as the Beatles story goes, it's just a little detail of like, perhaps had they gotten a little, you know, uh, a little more attention slightly too early. Yeah. It could have met, missed this whole mess this whole balance up. In some ways, it seems like circumstance, and in other ways, it seems like uh, everything sort of working out together. <laughs> no, it's fascinating. I did not know that story. And But if one thing, and we'll talk about all these issues some other time because it's a great topic, but we can explore. The Beatles were so good at timing. That was yeah. They were always in the right place at the right time. And you wonder if Kennedy hadn't been assassinated uh, if they would have gone over quite as well because the country was really in in a bad state by the time they came in February. And here come these four really jovial, fun guys from England who you know, kind of brighten everyone's spirits up a little bit after that period. So, yeah, yeah it might have been different if they just, just came when Kennedy was still in office or who knows. One of those historical what-ifs. Absolutely. We're going to get, now get into the album yep. here. So 14 um, songs. We'll run down the list here in order here just so you get an overview. It won't be long. Lennon, lead vocal. Uh, number two, All I've Got to Do, another Lennon vocal. Number three, All My Lovin', uh, Paul. Number four, uh, Don't Bother Me is George's first song. Yep. Number five, Little Child is a John and Paul kind of together song. And then number six, Till There Was You, is a cover song about by Paul. And then number seven was Please, Mr. Postman. <laughs> also another cover song that was sung by John as well. The set, what would be side two or the second half of the album, Roll Over Beethoven, that's a Harrison song. Uh, Hold Me Tight with uh, Paul on lead vocals on that one. 
you really got a hold on uh, on me with linen with like a huge assist from Harrison <laughs> on that one. Uh, I want to be your man, Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> with a little bit of Paul. It's, uh, well, I, I want to talk a little bit about Paul on that one. Yeah. Kind of uh, Devil in Her Heart, which is a Richard Drapkin uh, <laughs> composition um, with Harrison singing that one. And then uh, the album ends with a couple of uh, Lennon-led ones, uh, Not a Second Time and Money. You know, Paul kind of on heavy background vocals on many of these Lennon ones, but but uh, still kind of like, how many of Lennon's was that? That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. A lot. Seven, yeah. seven Lennon's, uh, three Georges, three Pauls, and a, and a Ringo. Yeah, and I but that makes it half half of a Lennon album almost if you've got seven tracks. So uh, yeah. very very John heavy at this point. Uh, actually, the yeah, I mean now come to think of it, the next albums are also like Hard Days Nights, also very John heavy uh, as they keep going. So it, John was definitely in charge at this point. Uh, so yeah, why don't we dig right in here and start with our first track on the album, which. The Beatles always had such a good uh, first track of every album. Yeah. They just knew, like we talked about in the uh, Please Please Me episode, what better way to start than one, two, three, four, with a star standing <laughs> there. Well, this is pretty darn good, too. So why don't we hear the first uh, track off of With the Beatles? It won't be long, yeah, yeah, yeah. first cut on the album it won't be long big Lennon composition and this what I was talking about earlier about the musicality of this one it threw me for a loop right away I'd forgotten how intricate the chords were and some pretty unusual chords uh, and unusual sounds musically uh, really striking I mean the, it starts right out on a minor chord which grabs your attention right away striking at that beginning so yeah I mean the musicality is terrific on this it also stands out. Uh, uh, the first thing that really, really stands out to me was is the uh, guitar lick. That's just yeah. like right, very omnipresent, and it's <laughs> like the the choice to like keep that up front so loudly, like do 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 do. Yeah, yeah, um, is uh, really terrific. Uh, I love the how they drop the sort of guitar out during the bridge uh, both times. It, it just adds to the. the and it really uh, accentuates the 
brilliant kind of background vocals at that point. You left me here on my own. <laughs> now you're coming home. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that. I just, I just love this song. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's one of their best early songs. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little underrated. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's great. It's yes, yeah, lyrically not bad either. It's still yeah, still pretty good. So terrific ending too with some oh uh, yeah yeah very very uh, rhythm the rhythm guitar there the uh, to you yeah so the chords there are just brilliant. I I really 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 like uh, yeah. it won't be long. I think it's perfect. Uh, Opener to this. You ever, uh, let's they, hear, you ever wonder why they never played that one live? I do wonder that. Yeah. I, in fact, um, or released it as a single or something. In a future Paul uh, tour, he'll bring <laughs> this one back, like he's brought some of the other songs that he never sang the vocals to. <laughs> back, like benefit of Mister Kite, you know, stuff like that. Right. But I just really thought this one was, I, you know, it's such a terrific song. Yeah. I know. You know, maybe it was too hard for them. To well, it might have been. Playing here with all the screaming, actually, because yeah. it's kind of a complicated song. That's so. true. Let's hear the next song now, which is another one that I think is extraordinarily underrated. Yes. And that is a song called "All I've Got to Do." Whenever I want you around, yeah. And when I I wanna kiss you, yeah All I gotta do Is whisper in your ear The words you long to hear And I'll be kissing you Well, another Lennon composition, and it starts out in a really interesting way with this chord, just sort of hanging there, what's going to happen next? <laughs> and then they go in. And I guess what stands out to me, apart from it's a really well-sung song and uh, some good background vocals, I think on this album, more than the last one, Ringo, actually, there's a lot of subtleties in Ringo's playing, especially on this track. Just with the little the hi hat and just some some rhythmic things that are a little bit surprising and really tasteful. It's sort of particularly in the verses. The, right, the, the verse. Yeah, the rhythm is just it's an odd sort of like beat going on. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not in, in no way just the regular standard beat. It's really sophisticated. Um, the the vocals, like you mentioned, are uh, like extremely passionate. You like and the then, wordless. You like you like wordless. Oh, so. Yes, I love the wordless. I, you knew where I was going. I knew where you, you were see, going. You see, you could see the glint in my eye. Yeah. Like oh, I love this this wordless. <laughs> I like it because it kind of gives it. It's one of those songs that gives the hint of like ah, oh, that song keeps going on. We just 
stopped listening. You know, we yeah. just we faded out of it, but they're they're still they're still off there somewhere singing it right, in, right. into infinity. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's a great little touch at the end. So I, I think a, that I would agree with you. I'd say both of these first two songs are really underrated, and it again proves the the old story here that you can't just buy the Beatles album one. I mean, you really need everything because you have these yes. wonderful album tracks that you would not get that weren't hits, but they're still great tunes. So yeah, Absolutely. That's, that's something unique to them. The next song we played at the beginning of our show, and it's extremely famous. It's, in fact, the first song the Beatles played in America when they, on the Ed Sullivan Show. Uh, well, the first song they played on the Ed Sullivan Show on TV. And that was a big single, All My Loving, with Paul on that one. You know, that brings up a good point that we didn't mention is um, these, though With the Beatles wasn't released in America until 1987 when the CDs came out, most of these songs were on an album released in America called uh, Meet the Beatles. And so these are the first songs, whatever's on Please Please Me, other than, sorry for standing there. Yeah. uh, were, were unknown to America. Yeah. This was the first... These all songs were... So when they... Them playing All My Lovin' makes a whole lot of sense because it was on yeah. their first release in America. And so America was like, oh, this, these are the new Beatles songs that we've right. just, just you know, been exposed to. Well, well, All My Lovin' is one of the all-time best uh, yeah. Beatles tracks. Oh, yeah. John's guitar is really good on mm-hmm. this. John yes. actually, I uh, had a good quote from uh, um, John about All My Loving, uh, where he was asked about it. All My Loving is Paul, I regret to say, <laughs> and then laughs. This is during the 1980 Playboy interview. Yeah. Um, and then Playboy's like, why? And Lennon says, because it's a damn good piece of work. Wow. But I play pretty mean guitar and back mm-hmm. so, so john almost jealous of uh, yeah. how good this song was written by paul uh paul of course just does a, a great 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 song with the or uh job with the vocals on it yeah, george's uh, and, guitar solo is kind of they say it's a little country and western influenced but uh, it's a very iconic kind of solo that you can sing and everybody knows that solo so also stands out this whole album has a double-tracked vocal kind of thing happening. Never so predominantly than in this song where there isn't the double-tracked vocal until after the solo and then they come back in with the uh, double-tracked McCartney vocal and it's just so brilliant, so great. I just just, uh, really really think it's a a good one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, certainly one of the classics. Talking about George a little bit, George, when they performed that live, George would sing the background vocal on that last time through. And we were saying about this album, you you have more of a George influence, strangely enough. He had more to do on this album than he would for the next couple, uh, including the next track, which is his first uh, published, first recorded on an album composition called Don't Bother Me. Since she's been gone, I wonder want to talk to me. It's not the same, but I'm to blame. It's plain to see. So go away, leave me. 
He was just kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to write a song and see if I can do it. But even this, it sort of like establishes sort of the George kind of like the difference between George and and John and Paul mm. is that George's songs would always be a little bit more minor key, a little more, <laughs> bit more like a different kind of sound. You know, I just think he, he had an yeah. interesting kind of like. Almost a rudimentary from not kind of knowing what he was doing, maybe a oh, little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, song, uh, songwriting, but um, a little darker. <laughs> this definitely established his musical style right off the bat, I mm-hmm. feel like. Yeah, and it also ha- has some creative percussion on it, too. I think yeah. uh, John is playing tambourine, and uh, Ringo's on a bongo drum that you can hear pretty prominently in the background uh, playing yeah. the beat. So that certainly stands out, and I think the wasn't it written George was sick or something in the hospital and didn't want people to keep coming to him. He just felt like you know <laughs> felt like crap and was just saying, "Leave me alone, don't bother me," kind of thing. Yeah. Which seems very George like when you see the rest of his life. Seems very in keeping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, leave me alone. Leave. I want to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a real negative song. If you're like, get out of here, it jerk! Is. I know. <laughs> um, I don't. I, and, and you know, this isn't a. It probably doesn't get a whole lot of spins for me. You know, I, I would say usually when I listen to this album, I just let it play. And these songs that usually would be real skippers. <laughs> Maybe one's coming up very soon. Yes, for example. Uh, um, um, I just kind of let them play because they're all pretty short. And and this one's, you know, it's not... T- I think maybe I like it better than maybe even George liked it or whatever. And I uh, I, I like elements of it better and I like... Like, I don't like that percussion very much. Oh, you don't? <laughs> sort of a little too... I don't know. Yeah. Like, like trying to do something, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just yeah. play the song. But um, it's an interesting song. I, I like it. Yeah. Well, it's, so. I think it's certainly better than the next one, which uh, I think, didn't this next one make an appearance on our Beatles Duds episode? I, I believe it did. I seem to remember. Uh, it also features a new uh, member of the band here for this song, the Beatles producer, George Martin. This is, I think, his first appearance on the album. You can hear him playing piano on this one as we take a listen to Little Child. Child, little child, won't you dance with me? I'm so 
After we even cut it before the harmonica solo. I know. <laughs> is this the last great harmonica Beatles song? Uh, I, I have to, I'll have to think about know. that. Well, yeah, there are a couple more to come, but this is certainly real prominent. I was going to say we, after the amount of harmonica on the first album, it was sort of refreshing not to hear it, but then it's back. So <laughs> here we are, a little child. Oh, we can't get rid of that harmonica. Can't get rid of it. No, it's a good little gimmick. I guess kind of uh, rollicking or something here. I don't know. It has it's it's so brief. It's very fleeting. Like barely, yeah. it's, it's barely two minutes long. Uh, so it just comes and goes. Forgettable to me, certainly. I feel like there these there's these songs on this album that within the context of this album are, are just kind of like refreshing change of paces. Yeah. Yeah, they were that, that are a little bit of a throwaway song. This one maybe hold me tight. But um, um, that really sound pretty good and really capture. Well, this this one would kill live, you know, yeah, during yeah. their set in nineteen in nineteen sixty two. If they play a little, little child or something <laughs> on stage at the Cavern Club, people would, like lose their mind. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know? That's true. So yeah, no, it, it's all it right. doesn't bother me no. too much. In context, it works. I think so. Yeah. So. But yeah. not 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 too much to talk about about that no. one other than harmonica. A lot of harmonica, yeah. <laughs> now for uh, a total change of pace, you go to the next yeah. song, which uh, was performed a lot. They they did perform this one a lot, and yeah. yeah if you wanna... And rightfully so, because of a very very uh, brilliant vocal turn by, uh, by one Mister Paul McCartney on "Till There Was You." On a hill, but I never heard them ringing. No, I never heard them at all till there was you. There were birds in the sky, but I never saw them winging. No, I never saw them at all till there was you. Then there was music and wonderful roses. They tell me in sweet fragrant meadows of dawn and dew. There was love all around, but I never heard it singing. No, I never heard it at all till there was you. And we, well, we never saw them <laughs> winging. That's <laughs> all winging. Uh, that's that's a. I, I love how Paul sort of like overpronounces certain words. Like yeah. anytime, anytime, and you hear an interview with him, and he says "sing." It's always singing. <laughs> it's a hard uh, G. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never saw them at all. Yeah. Of course, that was Paul McCartney. 
Me on vocals, not Shirley Jones. No. Uh, no. <laughs> or Barbara Cook from the Broadway production of The Music Man, which is where this song is from, written in 1957 for the play of The Music Man by Meredith Wilson. It appeared in the 1962 movie version, so very familiar song for everybody uh, in the world at that time who had, I'm sure, seen Music Man, very popular movie. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I think it's a pretty good version. Yeah. Uh, 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 the, the vocals I already mentioned, uh, I think, are, are really great. But uh, what, what is uh, uh, fantastic about it is the uh, guitar and the guitar solo. I, I don't know if this made our guitar solos uh, episode. Yeah. I forget if it did or not, but it should have because it's just a wonderful, brilliantly short uh, solo. And, um, you know, I, I, whenever this comes on, I can't help but sing along with it. You have to, yeah. <laughs> so. No, it's, that's a, it's a great song. Uh, it, it, if you listen to the original Music Man version, it's a lot slower. It's, it's a really slow, romantic ballad in the movie. So I like how they kind of push the tempo up a little bit. And it's such a change of pace, too, because there's no electric instruments here. It's just Paul on the, the well, maybe Paul's bass, but you've got that acoustic guitar solo by George, as you mentioned, and just so tasteful and so well done. And this is the kind of stuff, though, that or give, gives the Beatles a bad name uh, in the eyes of so-called rockers, uh, because yeah. they say, well, look, you know, would the Rolling Stones have ever done a song like this? You know, they're just trying to please the older people in the audience. And sure enough, the Beatles did play this for the Queen. And you know, it was the, that kind of thing. But I think that's an ignorant comment because it forgets that the Beatles were very influenced by more than just R&B, rock and roll tunes. They were really influenced by popular song. And this is one of them. And it was a, actually a really good move, I think, to record this. Yeah, I, I'm really positive about this song. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I, I, you know, it's not, I wouldn't put it in my top 50 favorite Beatles songs or anything like that. You know, it, it, I, I'm not sure if maybe maybe one or two covers would even make my top 50, you know, yeah. just because I prefer, like, songs that they'd written. But I, I think it's a great move to do, do something sort of out of the out of the box, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. who's going to cover a Broadway show to, 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 in a rock band, you know, and I'm glad that they did it. So, um, and it shows the diversity of the type of music they could play too. It wasn't yeah. just straight ahead rock and rollers. So, you know. uh, though your, your note about picking songs and giving the, uh, Beatles getting a bad name for picking what would, might be considered lame songs. <laughs> Might uh, also be uh, <laughs> followed up by this uh, song called Please, Mr. Postman. Hey, oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Hey, 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 Mr. Postman. Mr. Postman, look and see. Oh, yeah. Back for me, please, Mr. So far. 
Mr. Postman. I think, yeah, you, it sounds like, I, I don't know what you think about it, but from just your, the way you, you teed this one up, you're not a big fan. Uh, again, it shows the, to me, it shows the Beatles' diversity in their influences, because this and another one on this album uh, and a couple on the previous are from girl groups. This one was originally from an uh, American girl group called the Marvelettes, and uh, I think it's, it's, almost tailor-made for the Beatles because of their emphasis on vocal harmonies. And, you know, it, it's it's all right. It's, it's okay. It's kind of fun song. And Well, I think know. the song is lame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that they sing the absolute hell out of this one. Okay. Like, if you were to try to sing like John Lennon sings on this one, you're going to shred your voice. You're, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's in the, 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 even the back... Uh, vocals are just very well done they just really like commit sometimes the Beatles just really commit so hard to the yeah. that it wins you over and I, I, I as as much as I, uh, I claimed that I you know sort of hinted that I didn't like the song it's and it isn't any anywhere near my favorite song and even the, the doo-wop you know girl group version of it yeah. isn't one of my favorite 60s songs though I do like that type of stuff <laughs> Not only is John singing the hell out of it, but the background vocals, Paul is singing way high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're just singing the, like, living daylights out of it, you know? Uh, so I, I kind of like it. And Oh, yeah. and I also like the drum breaks. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The latter, the, the sooner, the, the better. better. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I think the Beatles sometimes improved the cover versions a lot. Like they made a yeah. cover version sound a lot better than it probably should have, uh, given yeah. the quality. And I don't know if you could say that about the next tune, which was also one they played a lot, and it was a George feature, a "Roll yeah. Over Beethoven" by Chuck Berry. A lot of clapping on that a lot one. Of, <laughs> a lot of clapping. A lot of hand claps. Yep. Yep. What's well, a high energy song? That's yeah. good. Yeah. I I, I feel really kind of like about this one. It's like, hey, let's find one for George to play. Hmm. Probably is what they did when they were when they were choosing a song. 
(laughs) for their live set, and then they do it really well, so it makes the album. But it's not certainly not near anywhere near my uh, favorite one. I do like when the uh, cymbal drops out. It's good rock, good drumming. Yeah, on this very very good. When the cymbal drops out during the really rocking and that that whole bit, it's kind of cool. I just want to say this song has never, ever been one of my favorite songs. No. The Chuck Berry version of it, this version of it, and the Electric Light Orchestra (laughs) version of it with one Mr. Jeff Lynn mentioned for the, officially for the 10,000th time on this we're trying to get him in every ep- we're trying to get him in every episode here somewhere. Yeah. yeah. If we ever get a land an interview with Jeff Lynn, we're going to be so totally <laughs> nice to him that he's going to go listen to old episodes and be like, "Hey, these guys are jerks to me. These guys, you know what's a good song to play uh, for the ELO group? Let's play the role of a Beethoven. Uh. It's such a good idea." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they played this one a lot. It was played at the Washington D.C. concert when they first came to America, and it was—I think it was a George something to give George to do. And it's not—I like Chuck Berry, but it's not one of my favorite songs of his. I guess it was a big crowd favorite, which is yeah, it's high energy and fun and uh, gets you moving. And there's some great—the song itself is a good song. The next song is a Paul McCartney tune uh, called, and this this again uh, will sort of go to the idea that. This is a really light Paul McCartney album, and that's the song Hold Me Tight. We'll play it and then talk about it. It feels so right to hold me tight. Tell me I'm the only one, and then I might never be the lonely one. So hold, hold me tight, me tight, tonight. Well, it's a fun song. It has some interesting chord changes to it. It's got a good driving do 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 kind of rhythm to it, and has some nice harmonies in the background. I know you're a big fan of the intense hand claps. Oh man, <laughs> that go through the entire song. Yeah. I don't know why they don't. This this is one of these big ones. I'm like, man, they really missed an opportunity on this one because during the the there's a section of it that gets a little softer. Yeah. Really mean to know tonight with you. Why not just drop the hand claps just for that section? No, you got to keep At them least. going. <laughs> but we have to have the hand claps through the whole thing. It irritates me. Um, <laughs> Paul does not like this song. He, he said um, it, it's a failed attempt at a single, which then became an acceptable a- album filler. Oh, and then John Lennon says that was Paul's a pretty poor song, and I never really, I was never really interested in it, <laughs> which is hilarious. Take to say that's a pretty good um, slam. Ian McDonald, who defends it, and this kind of is where I land on it, says play it loud with the bass boosted, and you have an overwhelming motoric 
rocker, strongly redolent of the band's life's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of, I kind of don't mind it. I think it's kind of like a good sort of driving song. Yeah. The reason it really doesn't work is because it's right after another clapping song. I know. Why I know. put these two the heavy clapping songs next to yeah. each other? One thing to mention that is very interesting about it. It, start, it starts in an odd place. It does. Yeah. And I really like the ending of it, too. It sort of, like, slows down. I like the... Uh, <laughs> 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 very good. Yeah, it's very nice. Uh, um, let's, let's just play the next song, and then we'll, okay. and then we'll get our takes on it. Because I'm, I'm kind of interested in your take on it. All right. So, first. So, here is a song called You Really Gotta Hold On Me. song you really got a hold on me originally by Smokey Robinson the Miracles John sounds awesome on this song uh, he just nails the vocal and you can hear George in the background it's John and George singing on this one really nicely done together and I, I this was a real popular song that I mean they really liked it because I, I remember in the movie let it be when they're just sitting around jamming and it's sort of a dreary session George George just picks up plays that beginning do 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 and the the whole mood just changes entirely and yeah. John and George go back into like they're from 6 years before and so they really had a fondness for this song and I think that comes through there's some neat things with the uh the back back and forth hold me squeeze hold me please <laughs> that kind of stuff uh, great vocals and George Martin's piano is really prominent too i think that adds a lot what do you think? uh love it love it love it love it one of john's best early vocal performances george gets a heavy assist on this yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> you know fantastic uh uh well played like like the the on this one it's a a vocal showcase and the uh, the rest of the music kind of assists perfectly there's not too much crazy like uh, uh distraction of no <laughs> no hand claps or anything yeah. like that. Uh, solid drums and guitar. Uh, the piano, you're, you're right, is just like, particularly when it comes in later, like do 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 do, sort yeah. of restarting this song. This this brings up what I think we might have to do as a as a show, because the question I had in my head is: Is this the best Beatles cover song? Uh. Is this the best cover song that they played? And I think there's some definite candidates, yeah, so we'll, we'll have episode. an episode of that next next year, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> we've definitely. Got three, we've already got about five or six <laughs> that we're gonna do. But I think this is a uh, this is way up there. I, I just think it's brilliant. And to be honest, 
the Smokey Robinson version is also brilliant. Yeah, it is. I, I love that to death too. So you could you can't go wrong with that song. Um, no. That's now, for sure. Now the next one we might feel a little bit differently on. Uh, this is the one track that Ringo sings because every album, almost every album except for one, I think, give, gives Ringo a track. So. Uh, this, but this song is more, I think, more famous for its story than the actual music. So we'll tell you about the story after we hear the Beatles version of it. I wanna be your lover, baby. I wanna be your man. I wanna be your lover, baby. I wanna be your man. Love you like no other, baby. Like no other can. Love you like no other, baby. Like no other can. I wanna be your man. 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 I wanna be your lover, baby. I wanna be your man. I wanna be your lover, baby. I wanna be your man. So that was the song I Want to Be Your Man, and we gave you a twofer on that one, uh, playing the, the Beatles version, followed by the Rolling Stones version. The, the, as I said before we played it, this, the story behind this song is almost more interesting than the song. Uh, the Rolling Stones were in need of a hit, and so the Beatles were contracted to come up with something to give them. So John and Paul uh, went into a van, I believe, and just knocked this one out and gave it to the Stones, and it was their first first hit. And uh, but th they're very different, and, and you can see what the Beatles thought about it, because they just gave it to Ringo to sing, and it was yeah, kind of a, yeah. like a real throwaway song. Uh, I, what do you think of the uh, comparing the two versions here? You have Ringo's with the... it was a, you know He sang, again, sang this one live, because he could actually play drums and sing it at the same time. But then comparing it to the Rolling Stones version, what do you think? Well, one thing that strikes me is maybe they didn't necessarily give it to Ringo as because they thought it was a throwaway as much as, although they probably did <laughs> throw it, uh, as much as it had they done a version where John or Paul sang it and did it a little better, yeah. that it was almost like a screw you to the stones, <laughs> like we could do it way better. Whereas giving it to Ringo, it's not going to top Mick Jagger. No. You know? <laughs> so... so um, uh, and, uh, two, that whole story tells you a little bit that they, those guys uh, all liked each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if there's any rivalry and, and this was followed up in, by, uh, some of the things I saw in the documentary Crossfire Hurricane, which I once again want to recommend everybody <laughs> sees, it's like they were, they were trying to help them out. The, the Stones, because they were writing, the Beatles are writing songs already. Let's write some songs. Yeah. You know? Do we even get the song Satisfaction if the Beatles hadn't existed? You know, right. I don't know. No. You know, which is, you know, so uh, it's 
it's I, I'm struck more by that. I think the Rolling Stones. This though does I, I I do understand where a listener could hear these two and be like, yeah, the Beatles version kind of <laughs> no good yeah. compared to this this sort of rougher kind of tough guy version. You know, maybe dangerous, a little bit dirty version from the Rolling Stones. Now, the next song, and time for another um, George Harrison. Again. Again. So let's hear a little bit of it. song that uh, as we said before another girl group cover for George well suited for the Beatles because of their uh, emphasis on vocal harmonies uh, it has a little bit of a I don't know a little uh, like Latin flavor to it uh, with maracas or a clave or something in there. I, I'd say almost like an island like an island sway like, yeah, yeah yeah something like I that. really like that guitar that sort of dwee, 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 yeah, sort of like guitar like exotic guitar playing it's really uh pretty good yeah, I think it's kind of an underrated song. I, I really have always enjoyed hearing this. Yeah. I never ever skip it. Uh, I love the call and response. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm... no, no. <laughs> this I can't believe. <laughs> it's kind of sort of like lighthearted, not not really uh, taking itself too uh, uh, seriously. Yeah. And they did uh, perform. This is another one they performed live. I think it's it is on the new BBC set. So this was actually performed. So, uh, yeah, it was. It's all right. It's okay. It's a, I, 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 two, two more things. I like it. It's yeah. a, it's a song where they're basically talking about an evil girl in his life, and, but it's a sweet sounding. It's song. very sweet. I know. Yeah, yeah. Pretty funny. And then yeah. uh, the ending chord is really great. It, yeah. it, it's with like this very like great sounding. Bling. Yeah, very shimmery chord. So. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So I think it, uh, George, uh, George is pretty strong on this album. He's got a lot of good, good appearances, and that's that would be one of them. So uh, now I know for me at least, the last two songs on the album are a couple of my favorite ones, and they're both oh. both Lennon tunes. And we'll start one's an original and one's a cover. So we'll wrap up our analysis here with some discussion of the. Next two, and here's the first one called Not a Second Time. You know you made me cry. I see no use in wondering why. Same old man. I 
So that's not a second time. Really, to me, a strong John Lennon composition. His vocals really is double tracked and strong sounding on it. I like the piano from George Martin in the background. It's also a little bit mysterious sounding. It's in a minor key and has kind of a, a different tone to it than some of the other songs. So I've, I've always been a fan of this particular tune. Uh, I can't really say why. It maybe it was because I was saying at the beginning of the show. Uh, when I I owned the copy of Meet the Beatles, and when I that's what I listened to growing up, and that's the last song on the album. So for me, it was a, a, the closer. It just strikes me as a, a particularly strong song. I I think it gets a little lost in the shuffle, particularly of the catalog of the Beatles. It gets like really, it's not one that comes to mind. If I if I said to somebody, hey, name Beatles songs, yeah. this isn't one that they're going to name. It, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think uh, it's interesting that you say that because I've only, uh, a, a little disclosure, I've never ever heard uh, Meet the Beatles in my life. I have <laughs> never heard that track order. There's certain albums that I have, like, uh, uh, what was it? Rock and roll music yeah. part one or something yeah. like that. That was like a collection. I heard that a lot, of, a lot as a kid. So I had like, you know, certain songs I like expect to hear mm-hmm. the next song of that on that uh, uh, track listing. But uh, this one just kind of gets lost in the shuffle of this one um, mm-hmm. of this album. I think a little bit not highlighted. Once again, just another example of John's great. Vocal performance. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to listen to this album and and come away with it with anything. But uh, John Lennon's a brilliant singer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. Oh, really? Like, how do you come to any other conclusion? It's impossible. Yeah. So, um, which I uh, once again is going to be very, very, very evident on this uh, last song, and it is money. selfish and mean song <laughs> performed in like a visceral kind of screaming way it's yeah. just really good the John Andriotics on this is, is spectacular <laughs> ah, give me money oh, I want to be free <laughs> <laughs> you know what else I noticed about this on uh, the listenings uh, this week was the drums on this being yeah. just like quiet and subtle yeah. and real low playing? He's playing the low tom there and just mm-hmm. like boom, 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 just kind of like that. It's uh, uh, pretty great, and it sort of kicks into cymbals and stuff in the last minute during all the histrionics. Um, 
Um, so I, I like it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. I think I think if we do this, and I, now I really want to do a, a Beatles best cover song episode because I think this would be one of the candidates for sure too. Uh, I, I remember there a lot of people have covered this song. I don't know who wrote it or which group recorded it first, but uh, I've got a version by John Lee Hooker. That's pretty nasty, gnarly sounding, but very in a very different way than the Beatles version. Um, but it's very strong. Uh, you mentioned the the last minute or so. Ringo goes to the ride symbol, and that's my favorite part when they're they just jam out at the end there, and it just like it lets it go. And John's got his histrionics. Uh, but a great song uh, and really strong performance. Also interesting, knowing history, that when John played in Toronto at that concert, uh, he picked this song also as part of his five or six songs that he played there in 1969 because it was just something that he liked a lot. So uh, it came back at that point. So great uh closer. This is one of the f a few songs that's ever been covered by the Beatles, the Stones, the Doors, and Led Zeppelin. Oh, wow. <laughs> so wow. Led Zeppelin did it uh, in a live performance, but uh, still, it's like uh, that's pretty talk crazy. About the, the legend. It, it yeah. speaks highly of the song if all yeah. those bands are, are playing it. Um, also, um, the first, uh, it said the single, the original single was 1959. Okay. And it was written. By Janie Bradford and Barry Gordy, if oh. you know that name. Yeah. Quintessential. It's a quintessential example of how this album as a whole really shows you that the Beatles' influence, a lot of it comes from Motown. Yeah. From girl yeah. groups, from that kind of thing. Yep. They, they, you know, as much as they like Chuck Berry and all that kind of stuff, they also yeah. really, really loved Motown and, and, uh, Really respected that type of music. Yeah. So, um, uh, a couple questions then. Uh, yeah. When we're thinking about this, wrap it up here. Yeah. How do you feel about this um, album as a whole, ratings wise? <laughs> ratings wise, uh, well, I I can't remember what I gave. Please, please me. I think I want to say I gave it maybe a seven or an eight out of ten. Yeah. So I would I would put this one higher. I think it's better. The songs are the originals are better, and some of the performances are really strong. So, I'd I'd say eight and a half, nine almost for a, an early, one of the strongest early albums. Well played, and like you said at the beginning, a a good kind of viewpoint or window into their live playing with some good songs. So yeah, I'd, I'd rate, rate it pretty highly. I'd probably put it. Pretty close to similar where you have it, probably seven and a half, eight. Okay. Uh, uh, the the lack of original songs does hinder it just slightly, though the cover songs that they chose to play are are you know phenomenal. It's definitely not the first thing I grab off the shelf for the Beatles. <laughs> no. Uh, maybe not even the fifth thing I grab. <laughs> but anytime it comes up, this week was a great up opportunity to listen to it a bunch of times, and it was. Uh, Joyful. It, it it very is a very short feeling album, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know it is a little bit uh, more fun when we get into later records and that kind of stuff. So all of those factors I'd put, you know, and 
I, I, I do like Paul a lot. Yeah, that's very <laughs> much true. You're... Not not too much Paul on this. Pretty pretty great. I feel real good about, uh, <laughs> you know, I have such a fondness in my heart for, for the album. Um, uh, it, yeah. Packaged together with Please Please Me. My, my, you know, and many people's lives were changed, but my life was really changed that day. That, that yeah. broadcast came over and I heard both of them and taped it onto a little tape. So we should mention uh, maybe last thing here mention okay. the album cover, uh, which is really iconic of the Beatles in, in shadow. Half of their faces are in shadow. Oh, uh, yes. This yes. was a, a photograph by Robert Freeman who was an entertainment photographer, uh, but made this particular cover. And, uh, yeah, as I said, it's been mocked, or not mocked, but imitated and parodied, like a lot of Beatles albums covers have ever since. And uh, it's, a, it's a very iconic black and white uh, with the half the shadow. It's really a stylish cover. The uh, uh, album cover apparently was influenced by some pictures they were, uh, that were taken of them, uh in Hamburg, Germany. Um, By our old friend yeah. Astrid? Yeah, Astrid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jealous of who? Jealous of Stu? <laughs> Jealous of me! <laughs> if, you haven't, if you've seen the movie Backbeat, yeah. you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you should check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, Astrid uh, uh, was a friend of theirs in, in Germany and took some fo- fo- uh, very iconic photos, of which were sort of highlighted in the George Harrison documentary. Of, uh, of John and uh, uh, George kind of hanging out, and they really love those photos. And when they went to do this shoot, they sort of like said, "Hey, can you make something like that?" Yeah. And the results uh, obviously are spectacular. So, well, let let's go out, Dave. Uh, unless you have anything else to say about the uh, the album? No, I think I think we said it all, and we're we're fans of it certainly, and so. Go check it out. Go listen to it again if you haven't listened to it in a while. Yeah, it's a real treat. And, and uh, you know, we'll be back. We've got uh, two or three more to record this year uh, for sure. We're going to be picking up our recording pace a little bit uh, over the yep. next few weeks. And so it should be good. We're going to do a holiday kind of episode for you with some ideas for gifts for Beatles fans. Yes, because you know? Thanksgiving is coming up uh, very soon here and Black Friday, so uh, you'll want to yeah. get your good deals out. I think, uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot to talk about this year. A lot of things. So we'll go out with uh, "You Really Got a Hold on Me," but we'll do the original version from Smokey Robinson. So uh, that's it for us, and here we are with "You Really Got a Hold on Me." <laughs> 